0: Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast, brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So today I am joined by Kerry Nevins, owner of Babakush. Kerry, it is great to see you in the podcast
1: studio. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you, Sarah.
0: Now, before we begin, as always, the background on Kerry and her story. It is incredible. So Babakush is an innovative solution which provides safety and comfort to babies and peace of mind to their parents. Kerry came up with her incredible business idea in 2003 following the birth of her son, Harry, which sparked her million-pound business idea. So Harry was only settled and content when resting against Kerry's chest. Parents will be sympathising with this. So Harry cried in his bouncer, his pram, his cot. He even cried in his car seat. And so Kerry's quest for designing the ultimate swaddling cushion with soothing sounds and motion Began and Babakush was born. It had taken Kerry 11 years though and tens of thousands of pounds later. But finally, in December 2015, Babakush arrived at the distribution centre, ready for sales, which had been slow to start. But actually, everything changed the moment Kerry posted a video online, which was sent from a customer showing how Babakush instantly settled a fussing baby. Now, following the video, sales went through the roof. The product became such a huge success, Kerry was approached by Tucker Suleiman from BBC's Dragon's Den to go into business together. Kerry, it's a story that you know really well, but others might be hearing for the first time. It is incredible, and to think that it all started with your little bundle back in 2003. Had you any idea that you were onto something?
1: Well, Harry was my second baby. So if this had happened with my first, well, it just wouldn't have happened with my first because she was a very settled baby. Um, Harry popped out and from the moment he was born, he was just really whingy, cried all the time. He just always seemed unhappy and like he was never settled unless I was holding him. And, I just thought he was a needy, clingy baby, but I thought he's, he's so young. You know, he was only a few days and a few weeks old, and I literally couldn't set him down. And when I did, it was very stressful because if I had to have a shower or spend time with Amy or, you know, put the baby down, all he did was cry. So I couldn't set him in his bouncer. I used to take him out for drives and think cars always settle a baby. As soon as we approached a red traffic light, he started to cry. Um, so in the end I used to look at his little bouncer and just dream of putting him in there and think if only I could set him down Mm -hmm. it's not that I didn't want to hold my baby I just needed to put him down so I could make myself some lunch or go and answer the door or you know just whatever go to the toilet basic needs so in the end I stared at my bouncer and thought if this bouncer would hold him the way I hold him like on his tummy, Mm. Um, people said just lie him on his tummy on a play mat or in his cot. No, he was flat, it didn't work. In the end, somebody said maybe he's got silent reflux or something like that. Because I knew there was no visible reflux, no signs of anything. So in the end, um, I I got some pillows and cushions and things from around the house and tried to convert his bouncer into a tummy time sort of a bouncer that he was lying on a curved surface. But his face kept sinking in, the pillows and the cushions were too soft Mm -hmm. and this thing isn't safe and how do I keep him on there once he is on? So in the end, I contacted um, an upholstery company. Um, because I knew the sofa that I was sitting on that was quite a firm piece of foam in there, and I thought maybe if I could get some foam that was quite firm. Gosh. So I went to Dunmurray Murray. Um, I can't remember the place. It was so long ago now. Harry's now nineteen, and he gave me. He just said, "We'll just take this." It was a sheet of inch deep foam and um, about a meter in size or more a couple of meters so I took it home and started chopping it up with scissors and layering it you know so like a small rectangular piece with a larger piece and a larger piece and a larger piece, a larger piece all sort of layered on top of each other and in the end I this had made sort of a, f- uh, a curved shaped mattress um, and I just got a needle in thread sewed it together so it didn't fall apart and got my sewing machine out, went to a fabric shop, got some fleece fabric, nice oh soft fabric. I know the sounds, I'm not a seamstress by any stretch of the imagination, but I was desperate. And so to cover onto this thing and then made a, for- a harness sort of out of Velcro. And I, I actually put it on the sofa first. I thought it's not going to lie on this bouncer. So I set it on the sofa and set Harry on top of it. And I thought, you know, actually I had a hot water bottle. I had all the gear ready, so i just fed him. hot water bottle was on this lumpy piece of foam lying beside me. I extracted him from me after he'd burped and gently put him onto this, removed the hot water bottle, so he didn't know the difference. And I, it was the first time I left the sofa without holding him where he didn't cry. So how was, old was he at this point? He was probably about three weeks old. Oh, gosh. So, I mean, three weeks of non-stop crying it's a long time as a uh, new mum and, and I you was, were at your wits end but yeah. you must have been desperate to have gone to such lengths to create this oh I was desperate and I was home alone with Amy she was only two at the time my husband was out working and um, I was just on my own I was a young parent I was in my early 20s mm-hmm. and all my friends were still working and mm-hmm. doing other things so that I had nobody to really connect with and talk to about it so I remember making it to the kitchen and I made a sandwich and boiled the kettle. And I got about three or four minutes and he did, he hadn't cried and then he started. But I felt like, Whoa oh my God, you know, this is brilliant. I got to the kitchen and back and he's already crying now. And I thought, but that's not good enough. What do I do? So his little bouncer had uh, like a wee control box on it, a vibration device thing. You know, these chairs mm-hmm. that yeah. do funny mm-hmm. movements and things has just vibrated. So I ripped the thing off shoved it under this creation that I'd made, put him back on after his next feed, and he lay there for two hours. (laughs) And I thought, (laughs) why? I mean, it's just a vibration. It's just a gentle... Because I thought this thing maybe needs a heartbeat. He obviously... He's too smart to know that I'm not holding him. So I thought maybe a heartbeat would be the thing. But no, this vibration device. And I thought, wow, Aren't you so creative, though? Creative or desperate, as you um, say? Yeah. I'm from quite a sort of a creative family where my dad was always a fixer. You know, if Mm -hmm. there was a problem it was going to be solved you know growing up everything was fixed in my dad you know we didn't sort of throw things out and buy new things we he was really creative and yeah good with his hands so this transformed your life Yeah, it really did. And everybody else's, because I wasn't whinging anymore and crying, you know, with my mum, I'm so tired. I was constantly phoning my mum, I, you know, I can't even sleep at night whenever I go to bed at night. Harry, he won't lie in his cot, he won't lie. I used to bring his pram upstairs and rock his pram, just try anything. Nothing worked. So I sat semi-upright every night in bed with him lying on my chest, and that's how I slept.
0: Or not, or
1: didn't sleep. Yeah, it's just awful. And And I'm sure there are many people that can sympathise if they have,
0: you know, child like that Mm -hmm. so that was in
1: 2003 yeah um 11 years it took well that was in 2003 so amy was two harry was a newborn baby um this thing that I created, he was great. You know, that did him up until about six or seven months whenever he was able to roll over and he was on solid foods and he was much more settled at that point. So what does he think about actually being the instigation for this amazing product? He, he does. Do you know what? It's one of those things where you would think, oh, imagine, you know, you all must be talking about this and Harry must think, wow, but we just it's just life you know the way you know my husband has his job and I do my thing and nobody really talks about it to us it's just everyday life now it's not like wow mummy mummy made this but whenever they were younger and before it was out there um I, I remember having Harry was probably about eight or nine months old and one of my sisters you know different friends and family members were starting to have babies and people were saying can I borrow that thing you made for Harry even though their babies didn't have whatever it was Harry had they weren't as bad but just for those moments when the, the baby's just being clingy or they're teasing and you can't set them down whatever so this thing went around lots of different people and I remember Andrew was on night shift my husband the kids were both in bed happy and settled and I was just lying in the living room listening to music and I suddenly thought I should you know the Babo kush as it wasn't called then it was just a thing um was with somebody and I thought if this works for me and it works for people's babies who don't have colic and reflux why am I not thinking about mm-hmm. selling you know I could actually make money and sell this because um I was a child minder at the time and we were a bit strapped for cash and you know life was a bit tough back yeah. then and um, you were sort of watching every penny so I just thought, okay, I'm going to do this. But then you wake up the next day and you think, oh, right. <laughs> how do, what does how that do actually do that? involve? Yeah, well, what, what do I do? Well, how did what do you, I do do you do it? Well, back then it was the Yellow Pages. Um, you know, we didn't even have a computer in the house Gosh. or an iPhone. and They no, didn't exist. No. Didn't iPhone exist 20 years, 19 uh, years ago? I don't in know. T- in 2003, four? I have no, I, I don't think so. No, I, don't I think didn't. So. Have, well, we certainly didn't have them. So I went to the Yellow Pages and thought, i inventors will go to inventors so i started off with inventors clubs made a phone call and said hello you sounded you know i felt like i sounded like a crazy person yeah i've created this baby product tinkering in the shed at the bottom of the garden yeah kind of thing. you know yeah. It's, it conjures up all these visions in your head of crazy men with mm. wacky hair <laughs> so I spoke to a nice elderly gentleman he sounded like in the phone and I said what do I do where do I go and he invited me to come along to their club one night you know six six men and this inventors club and I thought oh no I said well what are my other options I've got a young family (laughs) and he suggested that I contact um invest no my local university and I thought well that's handy my local university is about a one minute walk away I was living in Jordanstown at the time So I did that, um, contacted the innovation department and spoke to a lovely man there. He actually said I am, you know, he worked from Jordanstown near me and he said I can call in with you later today on my way home. So he did. It turns out his wife was a midwife. So he got the idea immediately. He had young children. He loved it. And he said, right, look, we'll help you. But he said, why don't you go to Invest NI? who I'd never heard of at the time Mm -hmm. why would I Mm -hmm. so that you know it was just step by step by step um so contacted invest ni and they um liked the idea I didn't know what I was going to do they just said come in and see us and bring it with you so I sat down had a meeting with a man and he said I I can see you know why you've done this It seems good he said so if you could do a presentation in front of a panel of (laughs) Ju- not judges I can't remember what he called them and I thought oh dear god no do I have to do that This, you know I immediately started thinking oh no but I thought okay I have to do it uh-huh. so I went home and you can imagine you met me years ago and I was a nervous person but this was a very long time ago so next thing, um, yeah, a couple of weeks later, I brought it in. I brought my mum with me because I said, mum, I'll probably freeze. So just come and stand beside me so or something. So doing presentations was just something that oh, you feared Sarah. terribly. Yeah, you know, bringing back to school days, even standing up in front of a class, it was just something where my face went so red uh, that it went so red and burned so much that my eyes watered, oh. you know, where I looked like I was crying if I ever had to stand up.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries. From employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law, Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. So tell me about that presentation.
1: Yeah, so it it was nerve-wracking. I'm glad mum was there because I did freeze and she just started to talk. As soon as she started to talk, I took a breath and then I was like, I'm okay now. (laughs) So Uh then I took over. It was only in the room for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. They asked a lot of questions. I told them what it was and why it came about and, you know, about different people that had used it. And then at the end, um, I think they contacted me later that day and said, right, we'd like to help you out. Gosh. That was how it worked back then. I don't know how Invest and I work now or if you would even go through a process like that. So they basically then started to... They gave me a list of... They said their, your first stop would be patent attorneys, getting it protected, and yeah. then you immediately get nervous. So I know a lot of people feel nervous whenever they have an idea because a lot of people contact me about their ideas and say, oh, I don't know if I can tell you because oh. they think someone's going to copy it. yeah. And if I I always say to them, believe me, the reason a lot of people don't do this is because it's such a long and difficult journey and I don't want to put people off either, but it is. Yeah, nobody's going to copy your idea. The big people that are already out there aren't going to copy it because they have a reputation to protect. And then little people, you know, just everyday people, just don't have the money to do it. It takes so much funding. And did you worry about that at the start? I had no idea. I mean, in my head, my vision was okay, I'm just going to sell a few of these throughout Northern Ireland. You know, locally, I'd heard of another baby product and I heard that she went to the international airport because hers was good for people travelling. It was a product you would bring if you were travelling with young children and you know she had a stand in castle court and i thought well do things like that and just try and build up some momentum locally sell a few here and there (laughs) um i had no idea um so i thought the journey would be easy but as it all unfolded and invest and i said you need to do this and you need to get um design protection and why don't you speak to this girl who's done it before it was it started to come become quite overwhelming but as each week and month and year went by, you thought I've come this far, I've come this far, I can't have put in all this work and time and effort and money and turn back now, so that's hence the 11 years I had nobody who'd done it before that I could speak to that could say, do it this way, this is what you do.
0: But 11 years, I mean that's a long time Carrie, <laughs> to even have the stickability with it, did you ever walk away at times? Or Yeah, back I remember
1: to somebody said to me, you do realise you're on a 6 or 7 year journey here with this, if you're lucky Are you serious? and I thought, oh. with a product that you have an idea for that's what you're talking about I remember it was a man and I met him through Invest NI and I found him to be really I met a lot of really not unkind but I I would look at them as sort of unkind unhelpful negative negative people along Mm. the way and I thought you know people that seem to have maybe a chip on their shoulder and I used to look at them and think why are you being so hard on me where's the positivity yeah you know where's the encouragement just you know what, what have you got to lose by telling me this could work you could do it Um, So I thought maybe I'll end up being one of these people If it does end up working But I'm not I'm I'm really positive and encouraging people To do these things themselves as well So What did you do throughout those 11 years? That's a uh, long
0: time The family have grown up And you're Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. At that stage Are you still I mean do you still have the belief from other people? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So during those 11 years, it was just about, it was about, you know, number one, getting it protected, getting the product protected. Um, But then if you do that too early and then you make quite a lot of changes to it, that can be quite an expensive journey as well. You're putting money towards a different type of design and you're protecting it in different countries and territories. Do I start just Northern Ireland? But if I only protect it in Northern Ireland slash UK, what if somebody in America sees it and they copy it? Your Mm. mind's constantly... Paranoid. Yeah, paranoid, and you're so in the thick of it yourself that you can't see the wood for the trees. You know, right. sometimes I just felt I needed to step outside and look in on it. And I had other people that did that for me, you know, family members that would say, Right, you're overthinking this. Okay. Because then people would say, You need to change it. It's not safe. You need to add a shell. So if somebody drops a pot in the kitchen on the baby's head, it's protected. My I was oh. like, Oh, please. <laughs> what else? did you? Did you add that? I tried. Do you know what? I, I was going to do it. And I remember my cousin Jamie said to me, Kerry, you can't please everybody everybody you speak to is going to say you should add this and you should do that um so he said just it works it's you know so the basic thing as i designed it for harry is exactly what's for sale now and it has not changed it doesn't need to change um so yeah so this went on for 11 years it was trying to find suppliers you know initially i found a man in london who i found through various contacts and people that i met along the way and he had contacts he made office furniture so he had contacts in poland and sweden and different parts of the world and he managed to find a factory that were able to make a mould which would do the foam and the shape that i wanted and they were based in poland but they couldn't do the cover they also couldn't do the packaging or the leaflet so but there was a company in sweden who could do the cover so I was getting a prototype of the foam made in Poland, the cover made in Sweden, and then the packaging. I thought, oh, you know what, I'll maybe just do it locally. But the thought of them bringing all that together, I thought this thing's gonna cost about a thousand pounds to make, <laughs> who's gonna buy one? I know. So, you know, I, I just thought I can't do this. But for some, I had it, this thing in my head, which I know a lot of people have, which is I thought I'm not going to China, as in I'm not getting a product made in China because it's all crap, you know, mm-hmm. it's all rubbish, cheap mm-hmm. crap you get from China. Um, and now I I don't believe that anymore having been on the journey I've been on if you find the right people in places you know there is a lot of rubbish available in China but there's also a lot of good stuff made and they're highly talented, highly skilled um, people out there, if you so find the, the right product, ones, is the product made in China? Yes, now? it's made in China, and Raj. I'm proud to say that. Yes, because it was the only place I could get it made, all under one roof. You know, the safety testing done in China. The um, the the product, you know, the foam, the cover, the control box, the packaging, the leaflet, everything is done under one roof, and it's all very controlled and contained, and nobody can say, oh, well, you made the foam too big, that's why the cover is too small. You know, because I was. And did you travel there to make sure that it was the right? I didn't, Sarah. Thing. I'm not good at travelling <laughs> I can go to Spain, no problem, but you can't put me on a plane for nine or ten hours. I I have done it, but it's torture. Unless you want to fly me first class, then that's okay, but no. (laughs) No, I mean, I was lucky. I just... I was um, such a hands-on mum. I was a childminder for fifteen years, and the reason I was a childminder is because I couldn't bear to leave my children when they were born. Mm-hmm. I just thought I can't do it, no. and it would have really messed up my head. And so. was that difficult? Do you think in terms of progressing the business? What was? Yeah, I mean, it was. People would have thought, oh, but you're at home. You know, you, you've got all the time in the world to do these things. But it was so hard because the reason I was a childminder was so I could spend more time with my children. But then I had other people's children, so I used to feel but I need to give them my Mm, time. Of course, you can't be on
0: calls and business calls, you're supposed to be looking after the children. Yeah. Imagine though, if you were doing it now with with technology the way it is, it'd probably be Mm. easier to have all those Zoom calls or whatever, face-to-face, see who you're talking to, show me around the factory, all
1: of that. Yeah, big time. But I think the way everything happened as well, if it had um, happened a few years sooner than what it did, we wouldn't have had the crazy viral activity on Facebook and social media because that wasn't so big back then. So let's
0: talk about that a little. You now have, so we fast forward at 11 years, you now have... Babacush.
1: Yeah, so I play it, pressed the button, placed my order for my first 1,000 units, finally after 11 years, uh, it was such a nerve-wracking experience because I had done everything I mean the reason it took 11 years is because I'm so fussy as well and mm. I didn't want to leave anything to chance and this was not just, you know a, a water bottle that I was creating or, a, you know, a, a placemat This, this was my baby safety Yeah, this yeah. is something that it potentially could harm or kill a child, you know, that's the way my mind yes. was thinking about yes. this, so it had to be absolutely perfect um, so as soon as those first order that first order was placed and that was you know about I think £30,000 worth of an order and where did you get the money uh, my mum helped me out with wow. that and Invest I the problem with Invest I though is as wonderful and supportive as they are you don't get the funding until you've spent the money yourself so I used to okay. say to them, it doesn't right. make sense, you know, no. we need the money, no. you know. up front, that's, the, uh, yeah. that's a big
0: problem for people, isn't it? They just, yeah. you know, where am I going to get the funding to, to start mm-hmm. off? Thank um, goodness. Thank goodness, goodness for mum, help. Yeah. and I'm sure she's very glad she did.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, she is. I mean, she was, there were a few family members who thought, oh, you're mad, you know, what are you doing? Not that they would be very vocal about it, but I knew that there were a few whispers going on where they thought, oh, and of course, I probably big would risk. have been that person too. You know, mm-hmm. this is a risk, and mm-hmm. it felt awful that I couldn't fund it myself, and I was having to take mum's money, but she was you know really but she was supportive. adamant and she believed in your product yeah yeah i mean she saw firsthand my son yes, you know going and from what? To Who? <laughs> and you know the fact that you had your friends
0: and your family and they got results as well mm-hmm. so what happened next
1: so these thousand units they took five weeks to land in a uk warehouse i remember people saying are you going to post these out yourself are they going to go to your garage and i thought i oh, wouldn't where would i put a thousand it's quite a big product so thank goodness i organized a freight company a distribution company where they went to in northern ireland <coughs> and i had them for, this was now the end sort of coming into december the stock arrived and my website was really iffy and it, every time I looked at it, there were spelling mistakes and it just stuff, you know, the technology, it just changes. You press a button and it goes all if Yeah. So I was quite uh, yeah, worried about that and I thought I'd just have to put it out of my head till after Christmas so a few kind um family and friends you know friends all friends and stuff like that you know bought one or two and after Christmas once I had a bit more time I said look um anybody who's bought one would you send me a photo or video of your baby so I can start trying to build things up on social media and share bits and bobs so that was great I shared a couple of photos nice photos but then somebody a parent had bought one uh in January I think it was January and she sent me ...a video of her baby on the Babu Kush... ...so I just share... ...she shared it on her Facebook page... ...I then shared it on the Babu Kush Facebook page... ...and her baby wasn't a particularly unsettled baby... ...really compared to Harry... But he just loved the babble because He loved lying on that position on his tummy. So he was a bit whingy, just, whee, whee, you know, yeah. not screaming his head off. And the video was just her then putting him on, strapping him in, and him just, you just <sighs> physically saw him relax oh, on it. Amazing. Yeah, so I posted that one Tuesday night. I always remember it was a Tuesday night, and about an hour later... Um, I got a message from a friend saying oh Kerry congratulations and I said oh what's happened and she said your Facebook video you know it's going viral and I went what what, what does Facebook that video? mean?" video yeah what does that mean so I went on and looked and it said um the video I said it says 10 million 10m <gasps> something and I thought what does that mean so it turns out it had, had 10 million views within about two hours of oh, me posting wow. it so I, would, this is about, you know, eight or nine o'clock at night and I was getting ready for bed. And I was like, oh, this is very exciting. How am I going to sleep tonight? So this went on and then lots more people were messaging and then people were sending me videos from Huffington Post. Your video has been shared by Huffington Post. I thought, Who are they? But then I was reading the comments below this Huffington Post video of my product and it was like all my worst and nightmares had come true. This, you know, lots of positive, 90% positive comments. This is amazing. Where can I buy this? And I was trying to answer all these messages and keep up with them. But then you should never lie a baby on its tummy. This is a cot death risk. Your baby will die. And, you know, all these terrible people. And I was trying to reply saying, this isn't a bed. It's the equivalent of a rocker. It's something that can hold your baby. So you can set it down if you want to jump in the shower or make a cup of tea. It's not, or not, it's not, not a permanent babysitter that you pop that baby no, on. Forever. But no, but people loved it. It a oh, bit of sure. scandal. But sure. it was the best thing that ever happened. All yes. that negativity, it just sent it viral. And Ashton Kutcher, the the actor, what was he what did he do? He came a few weeks later. So there were the Huffington Post, that was a big page. They shared it. It got lots of views. I woke up the next morning to a crashed website. People were saying, I can't order your product. Where can I find this? So I had, I think, over a thousand emails. There were 300,000 and something comments on Facebook below my video. Um, I had um, just, you know, hundreds of thousands of shares and likes and all the rest. So from that, then people were saying, oh, Ashton Kutcher shared your video now, or CNBC has shared your video now. It's like, what is happening here? I thought, Ashton Kutcher, I remember looking at this thinking, is this really Ashton Kutcher? But he had, you know, so many millions of followers, tens of millions of followers, and all these orders were just flying in. I actually had to build a new website four times within the space of about two months. I think I had four new websites because my website just couldn't keep up with the traffic. So how many orders did you have at that time? Well, before I, I had only ordered a thousand. Yeah. That was my minimum order quantity. They sold out immediately. Oh. You know, I because yeah, yeah. I woke up the next morning, basically whenever that first video went viral, to all my stock was sold. But people wanted it was. They were mainly in America. All these buyers. So I thought, where is this really true? Can I even sell these? In, can I ship these to America? Gosh. I don't know. So I contacted the distribution company. And they said, what is happening here? Is this is something broken? They didn't think it was real. So they were nervous to start sending out orders. They thought something had been, I think there was a bug or we'd been hacked or something. So what was this, about 2013, 2014? Yes, this was 2015, January right. 2015. So even that whole online buying and mm-hmm. shipping around the world was quite new. Oh, yeah, especially to me. I remember ordering <laughs> something on eBay back then. My husband said, don't ever order off eBay <laughs> or anywhere again. You've done it all wrong because that was a scam. And I thought, oh. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But then everybody thought I was a scam. They were all said, this is a this scam. Is- don't order from this company. Who are they anyway? And I thought, why well, are you saying this? You know, the abuse you get when you're putting yourself out there.
0: Yeah, but you were ahead
1: of the curve really and then maybe that support wasn't quite there and then who do you listen to to get advice? Okay, so how did you meet the demand? (coughs) Um, Well, the thing was, because I'd ordered these first 1,000 units, I thought at least I'll have, you know, maybe a year to sell these and then I'll get some feedback and I'll make sure that it really is safe, nothing has happened, nothing has come loose or gone wrong. But I had to make that decision basically within a week. Do I order more stock or do I, you know you know just wait and see is everything okay with this but I thought if I do that I'm gonna miss the boat you Mm -hmm. know I need to ride this Mm -hmm. wave so I immediately ordered 2,000 more units and I thought okay so had you had money come in at
0: this point that you could use oh yeah I mean that was
1: yeah go reinvested yeah I'd literally I sold them all so happy days and ordered 2,000 more easy paid for them but it was you're just people think oh it was like winning the lottery but with a lot of fear as well, you know. It's so, so you've much. You've gone responsibility. from being a childminder, as you said. You know, money was tight, mm-hmm. um,
0: hard to make ends meet, mm-hmm. and then suddenly all of this money's coming
1: in. Yes, uh huh. I remember sitting at my computer, and I had it, it made. It it was a notification every time an order came through. It was going ding ding, but it was just going ding 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 what ding ding. ding. I had to turn it all off. I even had my husband even his days off. He was a firefighter. Him, he sat at one computer, and I sat at the other because it was just me doing this all on my own. And what did he think? He he said, "I feel like I'm married to a footballer, <laughs> you know, because you're earning more than a footballer. You know, the top guys earn. That sounds really pompous, doesn't no, it? I it don't mean it that way. But, no, that's, but that's the shock. Just of felt it, so it, unreal.
0: And yes, is this even my money? I don't even know what
1: to do with it. I don't know. Well, I didn't. It, it just Paying went straight taxes into the business. And all of those things, Sarah. I didn't take any money for. I don't know, for maybe about six or seven months. Well, no, it couldn't have been that long. It felt like forever. Time just completely froze for me. And I was just in this bubble of, you know, I wasn't getting, well, I was because I was childminding, but it got really crazy. I employed one girl who contacted me. She was actually my ex-babysitter whenever we were younger. So she was about 10 years older than us. (laughs) And she said, oh, congratulations on your business. And I said, if by any chance you're out of work, please let me know. I need help. And she said, I actually am. I'm available. I've just, you know, I've left my old job and I said, oh my god, please help me. And she was fantastic. So efficient. She had fancy ways of doing things, you know, text where she could just do text replacement and answer questions in the split of a second, in a split second. And um I learned a lot from her actually, but she just completely took over all the day-to-day sort of the running, the admin side, the of, it. Admin side yeah. of things. So That's that was incredible. So talk us through then. When did <coughs> when did Dragon's Den Oh, happened. that was a good while later. So that this all sort of really massively kicked off in February. I ordered 2,000 more units, and I ordered another 3,000 units, and I ordered 5,000, then I ordered oh. 15,000, and that was all within that year. We actually – I had to give up childminding. I thought I can't do both. But the thought of that, because that was my career for 15 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. and it was still this fear of what if something goes wrong with the babo kush that – I have to go back to child mining if I give it up, and then I lose all my beautiful children. So it was fear. It was fear was just holding you back. Fear. But it didn't, you know, I had to move forward. It could have helped me back, but I couldn't allow it to. So I um, gave up child mining in the April and bought a new car in the April. So I thought I'd actually buy a get new me. car. I'm going to get BMW. I was sure. so excited. <laughs> so I did. And then, then we moved house as well. Everything just happened so fast that year because I needed to be in a different location with my kids school and horse riding and different activities and things everything was over the other side of town in hollywood so we finally got our dream house over there everything just but life well. transformed in a matter of months yes it did yeah it Unbelievable. really did and then uh Was it Tucker Suleiman contacted you? Well, Dragon's Den kept contacting me and saying, would you come on Dragon's Den? Um, This would be really good, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, there's no way. I think I met you first around that time. Did you? Is that when we first met? And I thought, there's no way. Yes, you did. Of course you did. That's why I met you, because I needed help. And I thought, there's no way. No, I'm not going to go on Dragon's and And I've seen too many people make complete fools of themselves. And I'll be that person. I'll not be one of those people that confidently gives them the numbers and the facts and the figures. I'll just dissolve. So you needed a
0: wee bit of help with your presentation skills, which mm-hmm. is what my business, Bespoke Communications, yes. does. And really, it was meeting this amazing woman... Mm-hmm. Who had no self belief in what she could do, you know, and and you didn't because you're chatting here today and you're so relaxed and yeah. you're like a totally different person. Do you really? think so? Can you oh, I see do? it? Of course I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and it was that fear or that danger, you know, feeling you had to be perfect and yeah. feelings that you were going to trip up or let yourself down. But yeah, you know, no confidence you had, in myself. And yet everybody else. Was starting to really notice you and and want and want a piece of the action and just wanted you to, to do to do well as well, Kerry.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, just all these voices in my head as well. You know, I'm telling myself one thing, but everyone else is telling me other things. And I thought, are these people just humouring me? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Dragons Den asked me several times to go on. I met you. I went through them. I knew that I actually wouldn't go on the show. I didn't need the funding for a start. You only go on that show if you need their their money, and. I didn't, so that would have been dishonest. But I know a lot of people go on and do that anyway. But actually I could say, Oh yes, I wasn't going to be dishonest, that's what stopped me. No, my nerves and thinking, I can't do that. I just can't do it. I'm just paralyzed doing things like that. So um I then I mean I always I sort of watched Dragon's Den occasionally anyway, so I started watching a lot more and I thought I like Tucker, you know, he mm-hmm. seemed nice and he seemed to be the baby guy, mm-hmm. you know, he had another couple of baby products. And he didn't actually approach me. I approached him. I sent him an email and said, hi, I have a product and um, Dragon's Den have asked me to go on and I don't think I have the confidence to do it. But in bullet point form, I thought I'm not going to bore this guy because I know he's probably very busy. So I said, here's a link to my website. Here's a link to our social media pages. Here's what I've done in this past year. Here's the turnover. Please let me know if, you know, you'd ever want to meet or chat or whatever. I got an email back that day saying can you come and see me in London next Tuesday <laughs> and I think that was on the Friday and I went okay all right then <laughs> okay yeah sure Gosh. so I How went exciting. to London and met Uncle Tuker, and he was lovely do you know what I actually felt relaxed with him mm-hmm. I wasn't that nervous mm-hmm. um I went and sat in his office with him and one of his colleagues and it was just like being in a room chatting to a nice family member he was just like what do you want from me and what can we do together and that sort of thing and I said "Look, all I know is I have done this and I'm completely overwhelmed. Um, I'm online only, but I know that you have lots of contacts and connections throughout the world through distribution and retail and things like that. And I have, I was probably getting, I would say, about three or four hundred emails a week from retailers and distributors throughout the world saying, can we sell your product? And I just, I just ignored them all because I didn't know even how to manage my own stock. Never mind, get enough stock to supply all of them. So it was just that business sense, that, that advice and how do I do this? How do I do yeah. this correctly? And people are always filling your head full of horror stories oh. saying if you get the wrong distributor they can destroy your brand, oh. they can do this, they can undercut you on price and I just thought it's too much of a headache, I can't, I just don't have time to think about it but I thought this guy would have time to think about it. And did help you with that? <laughs> yeah he said look what do you want from me if your website's really successful I'm sure you don't want to give any of that away and i said no i don't and i'm quite happy i'm i'm in the flow now with this i just need help with retail and distribution even to know should i or shouldn't i and he said well then why don't why don't we go into business together for the retail and distribution side of things and i went all right <laughs> and basically from that day we did. We just started. He said, let's, let's do this on a handshake. I'll help you out straight away. He was just so lovely. And how did that work then? How was that relationship? Um, well, so I, well, how did it work? I mean, we were just on the phone constantly and Zooming, you know, Zoom calls and things. And I flew back and forth to London a couple of times and stayed in his house. And yeah, Gosh. you know, he's lovely and just went out for meals and stuff like that. And and how did that relationship
0: <laughs> transform business?
1: Um, well, it, it just took so much pressure off my shoulders. I felt like I was part of a team. And I know a lot of people love to go into business and do it all themselves. I'm not that person. I'm just not that person. I love the support Mm -hmm. and I'm not the sort of person that feels like I want all the money and all the glory for myself. I'm like, I'm happy for you to have some of that too in order just because if you think, I go back over my life and I think the reason I was a child minder is I wanted to have time for my kids. I want to get the balance right. I want to do a bit of work and earn some nice money. And have a nice life. A yeah. good balance. And I didn't have a life. See, for a good two years, whenever Babu Kush first took off, I didn't have a life and I felt so guilty that I just didn't have time for my kids. So whenever Trigger came along, I just started sending him all the accounts and all the paperwork and the admin sort of stuff and his team just took over, and I thought, this is going to be such a mess. Initially, it's going to take months to settle into a routine. It didn't. Nothing went wrong. Everything went right. He managed all the stock. So all of that worry, all of that anxiety, Literally, you it just, just changed. To trust. And how much of a cut was
0: he getting then in the business? Not talking about that, sir. Oh, come on, carry. <laughs> no. Right, okay. And are you still working together? Yes, we're still working together. So still, right, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Yeah, and still where are you now then with Babakush?
1: So now I, I just, I mean, I'm probably, I mean, somebody said to me in my last holiday in Spain, enjoy your retirement, because I said, I feel like I'm retired,
0: you, you know, as in,
1: lot? yeah, well, I mean, from whenever I first met Tugger, I really did take a step back. So I'm very much involved in new product development and different ideas. And, you know, I do like to keep on top of things. And I will always be in touch probably three or four times a week with our, um agent in Hong Kong he's based in Hong Kong but he would do all the sourcing and deal with all the factories which is lovely that's why we don't have to go to China and do I mean I I still even to this day I think I wouldn't know what to do if I went to China but it's such an incredible story that started you know with a need that
0: you had mm-hmm. and you built something with your own hands through your creativity mm-hmm. you had that self you had that belief in the product but not in the belief in yourself oh yeah you built relationships based on trust which is actually a good thing to have done you might have jumped in too quickly with someone else in it and yeah. it wouldn't have worked but yeah. you know
1: you ha- have been able now to get that work-life balance mm-hmm. right yes I really do you know I have so much time for me and my family and uh, yeah my life's just Lovely. (laughs) You know, I get up and I don't have to set an alarm in the morning. Do you pinch yourself sometimes? Yeah I mean do you know what I'm 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 the sort of person I do I meditate and I'm quite spiritual and I'm into you know the law of attraction and that sort of thing so I'm always every day if not every minute of the day I'm constantly grateful and thanking and saying thank you for my lovely life and you know thank you for all the time that I have and I think the more you sort of affirm those nice positive things maybe the more you bring that into your life you know if I do look back I can see a pattern there. And you know how, how big is the team now? How many people actually work um, for Babukush? So Tucker has a team of I don't know how many people working for him and Babukush is a branch of what they do so they manage um several different brands not very many baby brands but you know Tucker has his own company so there's a guy in London Will who would be the main one that I would speak to most days and then we've got Mike in Hong Kong who's a sourcing agent just for everybody and I would put a lot of people in touch with him as well and then there's you know accounts department and various other people that would manage the stock and things that I never need to talk to I just get emails occasionally but they do everything. So there's I, there's, I would say, probably in his offices in London, there's maybe four or five people just doing, you know, dipping in and out and doing bits and pieces for Babakush and other brands.
0: And have you got other products now?
1: Yes, we have a bouncer that we're selling. I have a rocker that's nearly ready. I mean, people probably think, what's a bouncer and a rocker? What's the difference? But a rocker is sort of does its own thing. You press a button and it goes and it st- keeps moving. A bouncer doesn't do that. You have to sort of bounce it yourself. And uh, yeah, I'm just working on, you know, reflux wedge and, you know, more sort of basic products I mean I think people think oh, what new innovative thing are you going to do next but it's all been done you I know, know people, people it have it been having been babies done.
0: forever and you still yeah. need to shush them and relax and relax mum as well or yeah, dad and um, yeah what would you say have been the biggest challenges for you and
1: what are you most proud that you overcame oh Philip, what am I most proud that I overcame I mean I'm I think I the biggest obstacles would have been just the unknown if I if someone had said to me at the start when I first phoned that inventors club and invest and I here is a quick you know preview of the journey you're going to go through over the next 11 years, I would have gone, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. It's (laughs) It's just scary. I'm not going to do it. But now that I'm in this position, it's almost as if that all just falls away and it's all okay. So I think, you know, I can't remember the exact statistics, but I remember at the start, and people always said 98% or something like that of people, you know, with an idea, it doesn't come to fruition, it doesn't come to anything. And even if it does, most of those don't succeed anyway. So that's, uh, Im- that will immediately put a lot of people off because it is an investment of your money and your time mm-hmm. and you have to sacrifice a lot. Um, but it's to, worth it. It, it. I mean, it's definitely been worth it for me. You know, okay. I just think, oh, what would I be doing now? I, I loved childminding, I did, but life was a struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, life is tough and I think it's tough for everybody, even people who seemingly have it all. Nobody is without their struggles.
0: And how many... How many items, how many have you sold now, do you know? Oh, Flip, I have no idea.
1: I mean, tens of thousands, but I, I don't it's have incredible. an exact figure. Isn't it funny? You know, you'd think I should be able to go, we've sold. Yes, exactly. So the phone doesn't ding all the time no. anymore. <laughs> no, <Chickers laughs> it dings doesn't work that way.
0: Does. Yeah, well, it is such a, a wonderful success story. And, you know, it's great to see you so happy. And you mentioned there that you also give advice to others now. So you believe in giving back.
1: Oh, massively. Um, so over the years, even since within the first year, people would have contacted me through my website saying, hi, um, I saw your product. I think it's amazing. I have a business idea I have a product idea would you be able to help me or where would I go and I I used to spend hours talking to these people or setting up zoom calls and for years and years people especially my sister said "Carrie, why are you doing this you're giving away all your time for free and I thought because see if somebody had said to me here's what you do I said I'm literally saving these people tens of thousands of pounds and years and years they can be ready to go within six months you know, just from a, an hour long conversation with me. And that's literally, that's how much it can help people. So in the end, now I've got a lot more time in my hands. I thought, okay, I will, I'll just set up this consultancy. Uh, yeah. Consultancy. So, and it's been great, you know, but I'm not really doing very much with it. I'm not, you know, actively trying to get customers or anything, but I just, I do like helping people and I do like, you can see just the relief wash over people when I'm on a call with them. They're like, oh, I was so worried about that and you're, you know, it's okay. Well actually I ask this last question
0: to every single person who sits where you are in Ah. the podcast studio okay but actually today Mm -hmm. I really feel the advice advice is going to be really worth listening to because the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing uh, business owners and those ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as Babakush. So Kerry, what advice would you give to people, I've no money to give you for this advice, but what mm-hmm. would advice today on the Public Eye podcast would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to
1: begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Um, it depends, well I was going to say it depends on where your idea comes from. I think a lot of people lie in bed at night and think oh, how can I make money, You know, what can I do, what can I invent, which I mean, I don't know, I can't, I've can't. i never met anyone who's made a success by thinking that way. But I, what I have noticed a lot over the years is the people I come into contact with, if they're living their passion or they're working, you know, what they've been passionate about, you know, what has started out maybe as a hobby or just something they've loved. And they have pursued it, and it's it just has evolved and turned into something that has made them a really lovely living. If it's that, if it's something that came about naturally, like Harry's did, you know, I didn't dream of something that would make me a millionaire. I just thought, oh, my baby is in pain and he's upset and unhappy. So if you have an idea and it's, it's it's a light bulb moment and it just it feels right, trust your gut. I think a lot of people get into their head too much. If it's a gut feeling, you need to almost quiet down all the outside noise and what everybody else is saying and don't even tell people because everybody has an opinion and if you suck all that in it just immediately it just stops you in your tracks so just stay true to who you are and just connect with yourself and close your eyes and you know go quiet and go does it feel right you know if I can picture myself going left or right you know this way not doing it this way doing it what what makes me feel more comfortable and at ease and go with that feeling That probably hasn't even answered the question, has it? No, I
0: think when it is definitely something that um, you absolutely passionately believe in, I think that's where the magic happens. And that's certainly been the story with you, Kerry Nevins, owner of Babakush. What an incredible edition of the Public Eye Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. And it's great to see you doing so well. And it's brilliant now being able to look back at that fantastic journey.
1: Sarah, can I just say if anybody does want help or anybody has an idea? Can you send them a link to my email or, you know, let them know Well,
0: Of course, or or, or get in touch. That's extremely generous of you. It's great to see you giving back. Thanks so much to Kerry for joining me today. And everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Public Eye Podcast. We'll
1: see you next time.
0: This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio.